Don't say Ryup. 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 Is it Ryup or Ryup? What is it? Don't ever say Ryup. Well, what is it then? Ryup. Ryup. Yeah, think of it as R-Y-I-P. Right. But why is it? It's called Ryup. It has hope on the end. Ryup. It has what? Hope. Hope. You've gone all about them there. Hope. Ah, get in. How was that? No, it be... No, you did. You went hope. Uh, I haven't died yet, but I have not really died yet! Ah! Oh my god, it's going to happen again! <laughs> what do you think I'm doing? I'm only doing 30 man an hour, man. God, what's wrong with you? I don't like it. I feel like the car's going to top one. <laughs> it's an old car, like, but it's not that old. I'm Betty Ball. I'm Stevie B. He's Mackham. And she's from So She's. And this is your weekly podcast about Sunderland. Sharing your stories, events and latest happenings all about what's going on in the area. Welcome friends to Speak Up Sunderland. Woo! Hi! Do I mint? Do I want a mint? Yeah. Do I want one of my mints that you've just stolen? <laughs> yeah. I'm such an engine giver, aren't I? <laughs> You're very shy, you like, aren't you? Mm. What is it to say? Shy Ben's getting a mint. Shy Ben's getting out. Today we are meeting Glenda Young. She's a writer who lives in Ryup, where she's lived since she was a little girl. I'm sorry, it's just still funny when you say Ryup. <laughs> oh, it's, so, it's so good to hear it, Geordie's trying to talk properly. <laughs> and judging by that look on your face, you totally agree with us, don't you? Read the script, human. Okay. Her debut novel was the first of three... Oh, God. Oh, here are. Mackham's kind of talk standard. Her debut novel... Her first of a three-book publishing deal is called Bell of the Backstreets, and it's set in Ryup. Very good. Oh, nice, thanks. So Glinda's promised us the tour of the village, but first, we've got to get there in one piece. We have just literally went past, right, a place that says, get your itchins in Ryup. Itchins? <laughs> itchins. I'm sure it says kitchens, but it had no case. So Isn't itchins. that like a sketch? Get your itchins, you can get your beige itchins, your black itchins, your red itchins. Itchin, man, in let's get your... Let's get you itching all shiny. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just get that itching right there for you. Glenda will probably tell us this, but that, that's an old uh, picture house that they're actually going to dismantle that brick by brick and that's going to beamish. Step beamish by thing. step. <laughs> brick by brick. Uh, right, it's down there. So we're almost bang on time. Almost on time. Since when? Oh, look at the, uh, the war memorial. Right, How is, pretty is that bench? This is more or less where she's meeting us, I think. So. And I think we're meeting in a club. So we get to the working man's club and... We'll go past the community centre, uh-huh. up the bank, past the shops on the left-hand side, there's Asda on the left-hand side. We go a little bit, a little bit further up, it's on, it's on the second, second brow of the hill. Oh, on the left? Aye. Once again, our Sunderland sat-nav never fails. <laughs> Thank you very much, my lord. You're welcome. You're welcome. Why? Why every single episode do we always get lost? On the other hand, Stevie's running. I'm so proud of him right now. He's running. He's not that bad, actually. Hello, Glenda. It's Betty Ball from uh, Speak Up Sunland. Just let you know, we are in Ryup, but we've actually went to the wrong club. So we're on the way to your club. We're just getting in the car. We'll be about five minutes, if that. Okay, bye. Surely, you must have seen me run before. You look like an... Do you know what? what? When I was running down there, I was actually thinking, they're going to take the mick of you. What? And you were, because I just knew you would. Well, I've never seen you run before. What, am I human? I, I, of course I run. I don't run unless it's necessary. Like, really necessary. So, seeing you run was just very, like... It was it's like a, a, like a slow-mo, like, one of those clips. 
I must yeah. admit it was it was quite comical. Like I said, if was, you had I was hair, it would have been slow mo through the sun, whipping through. But like, well, it didn't I don't know where you get the hair bit so, from. Like, but... I was gonna say you were just shining like a beacon of hope <laughs> as you were running. You're really down digging Ryan. yourself. You're trying to get out of a really big hole. You've done I'm not. I'm just. I'm just playing on the fact I saw you run. It was really funny because by the time I got to the car, I nearly tripped up twice. I would have absolutely cried laughing, you know. I would have took a photograph and like howled at you a little bit more and then made sure you were all right. But first, photographic evidence, then you're all right. Because that's oh. the first thing you do, isn't it, when you fall over, you take a picture. You take a picture and laugh. I did it the other day with, actually, no, it wasn't the other day, it was about a year ago with one of my mates. They took him out for the first time ever and he drank so much he passed out on the floor and threw up. It was really funny, really, really funny. So so we took a photograph, then put him in the, re- and then put him in the recovery position. But we did get kind of shouted at by a couple of women who were watching with because he really was like out of the shop and he did pass out and then he like threw up all over the place. It's never dull your life, is it? No. No, oh, thank you for coming. It's brilliant. I don't know what you had in mind, but I was thinking we could we would meet here because right. the pit used to be over there, so I'll kind of talk about that. But and then we could go down to the village as a complete contrast to what it was like up okay. here. That's right, it was very much a, a village of two halves and pretty much still is. Opposite us, on the other side of the road, was where Riot Pit and Colliery used to be. Uh, Riot hundreds of years ago was just farms. It was just all farmland. There were hundreds of farms here, hundreds of farmers, all the way up to Silksworth. Then when coal was discovered, um, the pit was dug, the whole industry turned over from farming to mining. Um, Riot was a really prosperous village. I know all of this because I've had to research it for my book. It sounds like I know what I'm talking about. I didn't know any of this before I started researching. And it was so prosperous that there were two railway stations in the village. I mean, that's how amazing this place was. It was, it was the, so the pit was Riot, the pit was Riot's life. It closed down in the 1960s. So where you see those lovely kind of greenery, blue skies and houses across there, none of that would have been there it would have been black you know the sky just would have been even on a nice sunny day like today it would have been full of smoke the cottages that the miners lived in would have been little ramshackle slums if you like they were the cleared and what were called the slum clearances no running water outside toilets outside water taps um i mean real you know it's just horrendous stuff and this is not all that long ago this is only a hundred years ago so this is where i've set them um, my novels <laughs> in the muck and the dirt and the grime of, of riot back then talking about how, how they used to live then do you think that's how like working class people became like toughened because you, you have to you have to find a life through that and then as you gradually life gets better and you get a bit more money yeah. You can appreciate what you had. Oh, absolutely. There had to be really, really tough people, I suppose. In those days, you didn't know any better, so you just got on with it. But, God, it must have been awful. Like, sharing a toilet with, like, you know, the rest of the people that live in your street and you're all in the back lane and somebody had to take responsibility for cleaning it. But the other side to Ryup, uh, some of the farms did remain and you've got Ryup Village, which is still, it's got that kind of nice pastoral kind of air about it as well. So Ryup was very much a village of two halves and in the middle of it all you've got St Paul's Church which kind of brought the two halves the miners and the farmers together you know you can see it from here you can see the sea and you can see the beginnings of the village but up here it was just like it might as well have been a million miles away from yeah. the people who who worked in the pits posh people lived up there posh, yeah that's exactly what it was right it was called the toppers <laughs> and the bottomers and that's basically what it was come on, let's go take a walk right. down memory lane okay so I'm going to walk down the village yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. alright champion Growing up in Riot, for me, the only good thing about it was the bus that left to go to the town. And I think most people feel like when you're a teenager, you just want to get out. You, you hate the place you brought up in. And for me, it always felt far too small. Everybody was far too nosy about wanting to know what was going on. 
and I just didn't like the place at all and it's only really when you get older and you start appreciating things a bit more and you, you realise there was history here, you realise the importance of the pit and the, the colliery and the farms and everything. What do you feel like having your name on a book? It's fantastic, it's not the first time I've had my name on a book but it's the first time I've had my name on a, store, on, on a novel and something that I've made up myself because I've written Coronation Street books before yeah, and some them, for yeah. ITV and some that I've uh, done myself as well so I, I've been into bookshops where my name has been on a book and, I, and I've you know it's been, might have been on the bottom shelf and I've moved it to the top while the <laughs> shop assistant's not been looking but this is the first time I've ever made a story up out of my own head because with the Cory books I was always retelling other people's stories mm. so it didn't really feel like it was mine and this one very much is I still don't know where it's quite come from do you find it quite relaxing when you're putting a book together? Yeah, I love writing. It's what I've always wanted to do, always, ever since I was little. Um, the library that I used to go to is just here. It's a one-stop now. It's just shopping. It's gone. Mm. But yeah, Saturday mornings, that was me thing. Because I lived up there. I used to come down, do a bit of shopping for me, mum, <laughs> go to the library, sit in the library for an hour and two back On the road through Ripe, there's a memorial dedicated to everyone who died working down the mines. And there's these two statues of ponies. One is a farming pony. And we stopped at the other one, which is a pit pony. I read uh, one one anecdote where one pony didn't actually start working on the morning until all the miners sung to it. No. And only when, I think it was Real Britannia or something, only when they'd sung did it start to move. Um, but yeah, horrible life for them. They, just, they worked them really hard, but they never went on strike. They were always reliable, and as long as they got fed, they did what they had to. They were really hard working. Because they um, weren't humans. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, their yeah. daily life, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, the pit ponies featured quite a lot in my book as well. Yeah. All right, so Real Britannia, uh-huh. do you know how it goes? No. You don't know, no, even know the tune, do you? No, the tune. How do you think the melody could go like? Is it not like a like a march sort of song? Like quite like a stomping, like a bang, bum, 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 bum. Because it sounds like something you would chant when you're going off to so, battle or something like that. Am I right, on the right how, lines here? you kind of getting yeah. it. How do you think it, it goes? No idea. But I'm sure I'm going to find out pretty quick. So do you not know it? No. Rule Britannia. Hey, Rule Britannia. Hey. Of course, it's not as energetic as that language. You know when there's just no words? For a situation that you've just seen. That's quite rare for you, that. It is. One thing that we find in doing Speak Up Sun and you just don't not realise what's literally underneath your feet or on your doorstep. Yeah. He's absolutely surrounded by history. and. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time at Durham uh, County Records Office because back in 1919 when I did the books, they... Right, was part of County Durham, it wasn't Tyne and Weir, so all the records are through at Durham. So I was looking at um, the original plans of some of the pubs and, and stuff like that, and it's just incredible, you know. When we get down to the village, there's a pub that features heavily in the second book, the Railway Inn, which is, it's fair to say, it's seen better days now. But when it was built as an inn, with rooms above and stables out the back, and it had a select at the back, which, you know, you could pay extra to have a private drink and have a, have a waitress bring your drink in for you. You know, it's like, Riot was a very prosperous place and it's just incredible. The things you find once you start researching. But even now though, Riot's not, it's not a poor place. It's... Oh no, there's, I mean, I think it's, just, it's suffering like everybody else, hmm. like everywhere else, uh, lots of things closing down. But it's not just Riot that's happening all over. Yeah. It's a shame, it really is. Living in South Shields, you'll know, like you kind of beat the, sea, the view of the sea. In, I love that in Riot, I just love it. I'm very walking, like, therapeutic about looking at the sea. Yeah. Mm. yeah. We're very lucky like that, aren't we? I lived in London for 10 years and um, I loved it. I had a really good time and I think, you know, I made the most of the opportunities down there. 
but being hemmed in oh it's awful you just need you need that headspace you need to know you can go somewhere where there's no people there's no buildings there's no roads so you just the sea coming in going out you know, you know exactly what it does <laughs> There's nothing better than a walk down the beach to like clear your head or I'll go down there quite often when I've had an argument. <laughs> <laughs> Which is about weekly. <laughs> so also on, on this uh, side of the road, amongst all the pubs, which in it's long gone now, was the Miners Hall. Um, which again, that, that would have been around at the time of my books. Um, but that's, that's long gone. And then in 1926, we've got the, what's now the community centre, but it's the miners, I think it's called the miners community rooms or something. So again, it's, it's all about, all about the pit. I think what a lot of people forget as well about the, when you look, you look back on the, uh, the mining industry, it was it was the it was the main industry around this area because I mean you, you had pits right next door to each other you had there was same pit there was Sixwith pit there yeah. was Harrington pit wasn't yeah. it yeah it was it was the lifeblood of this region on Durham Day Durham Miners Gala celebrated once a year um, it's amazing because it's still going strong in fact it's it's it gets bigger every single year because people just are going back to their heritage and history and just really connecting with it in a way. If you've got any kind of interest in history or heritage at all, once you start looking at it and unpicking it, it like I say, it's quite addictive. Mm. And um, it's knowing when to stop. <laughs> Especially when you're trying to write a fictional novel, it's like, I oh, know I'm not writing a history book, I've got to stop now, <laughs> get myself out of the library and get myself started making stories up. I've been writing for pretty much all of my life. I love writing, I really do, making stories up and so on. And um, always just kind of wrote things and then put them away at the back of my knicker drawer and left them there, didn't do anything about them. Until a few years ago, I went on a creative writing course at Sunderland Women's Centre and it really gave me a kickstart into writing fiction again. I reignited that passion, really loved it. So um, I started writing short stories and I thought, I'll send them off to women's magazines and see what happens. And they start, they wrote back and said they really loved the stories and they wanted to publish them, which was fantastic. So I wrote some more and wrote some more. And then one magazine, the People's Friend, said they were enjoying my short stories so much and asked me if I'd write their first ever weekly soap opera. So that was a real honour because in 150 years of the magazine, it's the first soap opera that they've ever done. So I'm writing that every week, it's called Riverside, and in the meantime I was also asked by ITV to write some books about Coronation Street, which I did, which has been fantastic, and I thought I'm doing all this work for ITV, writing all of these books, why can't I write my own and make a story up of my own, a novel length? So I did, uh, sent it down to an agent in London who got back to me and said she really liked it and she sold it to Headline. We actually had three publishers fighting over my debut novel. So I went with Headline, uh, got a three book deal, and the three novels are all set in, in the village of Ryep in 1919, just after the end of the First World War, when there's a lot of changes taking place, soldiers coming back from the war, a lot of changes for women particularly. So my novels are about young, strong women who kind of overcome all the odds, I chuck everything at them, everything you can think of. The first book is about a young girl who does a rag and bone round. It's called Belle of the Back Streets and it's out in hardback in November this year as well as Kindle and audiobook and in paperback next year. Yes. What's this building? This 
is the Grand Electric Cinema in Ryep. It was built in the 1900s and it's, as you can see, it's been boarded up and left like that for decades. But it's actually going to go to Beamish for their 1950s village. It's going to be moved brick by brick. Um, I was really lucky enough to have a look inside. Um, Beamish had an open day just a couple of months ago. We went inside and it is so decorative in there. There's lovely painted panels and there's glasswork. Um, they had some of the original seats, really lovely. How do you feel about it getting moved to Beamishton? I think it's fantastic, because it's been empty for so long. My mum and dad used to go courting there, that would have been the 50s. It's been empty for, for as long as I can remember it. It used to be a bingo hall, I remember it being a bingo hall when I was a kid. But yes, I'm over the moon that it's going to be in Beamish, I feel really proud. So yeah, it's going to take a while though to Why move Why brick by brick? Indeed. Really uh, odd. Why is it not chunk by chunk? chunk. Yeah, they're not taking one, putting one brick on a lorry, then taking the brick over, then going back for another one. You've got a confused look on your face. But it just sounds so odd. Then you just like. There's going to be like a, a big train of like trucks. Like, like that. There's one brick. There's, there's, there's another. Oh, get you out. And that's my job done for today. <laughs> <laughs> this is St Paul's Church. That, that is beautiful. And um, the, the vicar at St Paul's is is a lovely bloke. Honestly, I, I don't go to church. Uh, but the vicar is called uh, David Chadwick and he was really good enough to spend a lot of time with me talking about the church in 1919. And he was saying at that time the, the vicar of the church was a gentleman called Canon Knight who was a bit of a maverick. He made his mark on that church so much that a book was actually written about him because he was quite unusual in his methods of getting people to go to church. And in the book there's a story that says he, uh, Canon Knight, came out into the streets of Riot when he was trying to get people to come to church, like these you know, big burly miners. And one of the miners uh, said to him, "If I'll come to church, uh, Vicar, if you can knock me down on the floor right now. So <laughs> the Vicar actually just punched him and he fell down, and so he was in church on Sunday. So he, he was one for getting involved in the community, I think we should put it that way. I've drove past this a million times, I've never really stopped, and it's, you don't realise, I didn't realise how big it was, yeah. to be honest. It's huge, it's, it's huge. a beautiful church, so when it comes to architecture and things like that, it is very nice. Yeah. Is that a, 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 the back end of it? It's like, it looks like it's yeah, different stone. It is, it's an extension, um, so the original church was a lot, lot smaller. But because this reverend knight, the canon knight, was so, so much of a maverick and so well loved really in the village of Ryup, in my books, I've, I've put the essence of him in it, but I've called him Reverend Day, so it's night and day. Uh, night and day. So the, the essence of him is in there. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're in Riot, we're just heading to Riot Village now, and it's it's very different. It's got a real kind of pastoral countryside feel <laughs> compared to the colliery. So we're still in Riot. We can see the colliery from the village and vice versa, but it's just like two different worlds. One of the great things about about writing is that you go places and you do notice because you, you need to you need to know yeah. not just what you can see but you need to know what noise your feet are making on the pavement and um you know what you it's got this, yeah you've got to have your writer's head on when you're wandering around you look at it through different eyes when yeah. you're doing it that way but um so we'll have a look down, do through the village and then we, if you want to we can sort of head down to the beach as well it used to have an open sewer pipe, I don't know if you remember oh, did it? that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know that brings back memories, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Well, people used to say, I'm not going to Rye Beach because it's... But they used to do that, them days, though. They weren't bothered about pollution and... Well, they didn't really know, did they? So this is the village school where all the bricks, um, all the stones were brought up from the beach to build it by the farmers. And then we've got some farm buildings down here as well and the village green itself. That was a school? Yeah, that was the village school. That is yeah. tiny. Yeah. Is that someone's house now? It is. Yeah, wow, it's a big, 
ahead of us we've got the village green and you've got some really big houses around it and some um, a couple of pubs as well you've got the farm buildings to the right hand side beyond that which is long gone now was the cattle market when I was researching the books one of the things I did was I got a copy of the um, Ordnance Survey map for 1920 for Rye along this little sort of alleyway next to the um, the what was the village school there was a brewery and if we went we can go two ways from here we can go down to the village or we can turn left and scoot along the back to a place called the wilderness and there's some really old-fashioned buildings around there some really old uh, stone buildings there's not a row of the same houses it's like each one was had its private plot and built yeah. the way they want to do it I, I don't know how it worked back in those days but um they just seemed to set themselves up with their farm and their farmhouse and build it the way they wanted. So ahead of us we've got the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, really lovely old house. Uh, it's a private residence now, but um, yes, when it was built, it was built as a lodging house and the Earl of Scarborough used to come and have his holidays here. I don't think I've ever been down this street. There you go, you see, brought you somewhere new. I think that's the thing when people think about Ryab or any of these old pit mining, uh, sorry, pit villages, you think you know you might think about the boarded up shops and the boarded up pubs and you know and the kind of the sadness really that's there as well because the pits are no longer running but then you've, you've got all of this in the back streets as well it's i think just, you think right when you think the street we've just walked down from the where the top club was and and the housing estate that's kind of all you really think of yeah. isn't it yeah i do have to get off the beaten track i think that's the, the same with anywhere that you go you've got to just get off the main track and just go and have a you look around get out your car and walk yeah exactly exactly well, have you been to the train station in Ryot before? Oh, I'll take you there as well then. I didn't even know there was a train well, station. There were, there were two. Ryot was so, because of the pits, when the pits were sunk, so much business came here that they actually had two railway stations, Ryot and Ryot East. The lines went to Sunderland and down to see him. My mum was brought up in Barnard Castle beside Bowes and she used to come to, she used to, come to Ryot on her holidays on the train. In, in terms of, um, you know, size and product, productivity and stuff like that, how, how busy was uh, right, it was huge. Not really overstress the sort of importance of it, because mm. it, it was just enormous. There must have, you know, Riot Coal Company must have been making an absolute fortune out of the place. So Glenda told us a bit more about how her novel fits into the different locations of Riot. 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 Got the Albion Pub, a uh, huge place, old coaching inn, which features heavily in my first novel because oh. one of the characters works in there. It's always been called the Albion as well, hasn't it? It has, yes. And there used to be another pub right next to it called the Salutation. There was another pub on this corner as well, which no longer exists. But Riot, <laughs> farming and mining was really thirsty work. And Riot was just a village of pubs to kind of cater for that. And ahead of us we've got the village green. Uh, there's an old horse trough on there. It would be full of water for horses to feed from when people were passing by. You've got the village green, which has now got uh, the cenotaph um, to one of those who died in the First World War. You've also got the farmers' club over there, so that, again, that's a reminder of, of the farms and uh, the farming community that lived around the village. So along here, along right in front of us, you've got the pub there called the Railway Inn. We'll go there first, um, and just past the Railway Inn is the railway, as you'd expect, and where Ryub's two train stations were. And these, um, the train stations used to carry passengers and coal. Step them back from the main road and just mm -hmm. go for a wander somewhere and you find little gems like this. So this is a railway bridge, it's still there. Wow. The lines have long gone. It looks now like it's um, been tarmacked over to a cycle track. 
with wildflowers along it and it's all really pretty with trees and everything. Because without this then the mine couldn't really operate. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, digging up, you've got to get rid of it as well and distribute it. Yeah. Anytime you see a dog, anytime you see a dog, you just go like loopy. I know, but you know what I'm like. I love dogs. I know, but you don't even say anything. You just, uh, in fact, I think you communicate with them. You just go like atmospheric. Or you go supersonic or whatever the word is. I love dogs better than humans, man. It's just a legit thing. That's nice to know. It's true. Ask anyone who knows me. What about your family? My dog is my family. (laughs) My both of my dogs are my family. Your dog above your family. No, they're exactly the same level. Exactly the same. I would be heartbroken beyond belief if anything happened to my dog's house. Honestly. They, they are a part of my family, full stop. They are another addition to the Ball HQ, to the Ball clan. It's true. The ball they HQ. really, really, really are. <laughs> Thank you. See you later. Oh, you chunky monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I love sausage dogs. I do have two, so I am very much like this. Bye, Floyd. Have fun. And that's just dog number one, and then there was another. Hmm. Who's, take, who's taking who for a walk? Hello. He's taking me. <laughs> and what is your name? Yeah, I'm Alfie. Hello, Alfie. Yeah. We're going to meet Floyd two minutes down the road. He's like, right, I'm off. Uh, you were quiet, weren't you? I've, I've been mind blown. That's why I've been so quiet, because I have no idea. So I'm sitting back and learning, which is very oh, wow. weird for me. It's, yes. it's actually, do you know, it's, it's actually weird for me, because I've, I've said like several times coming down. I feel a bit sad in a way, because you just realise, well, one, you realise what's on your doorstep. Two, you're sad because you just drive past it and you never think once. I'm sure in the back of my mind I've been told there was a railway station here, but I'm annoyed and sad that I've never even thought about them coming down and now you see that the, the, the bridge was there and and I've been through and stopped in Ryup a million times and you just don't realise, one, how big it is, two, how much history is there and just how different it is compared to everywhere else. Yeah. I love the fact that it's... It's got this dividing line. There's like sort of posh side and a... Uh, that's a posh. Yeah, yes. that's posh. It's a place with a lot of heart. Like I say, there's a lot... I think that's... A lot of Sunderland places have that, though. A real mm. sense of community, a real sense of people coming to help each other. And Ryup's still got that very much. I've never really been from Ryup. I lived up the road about four miles away for about 15 years. Yeah. But I understood what Ryup was about. I actually didn't know, but now I do, that you had like a, a posh side and a... And a like, well, not a pool side, as, as Glenna said. Like Ryde Village is like the posh end. Oh, she called it the bottom end, the top end, and the bottom end, didn't top she? Top and bottom. Pit and farm. Yeah, it was. Pit and farm, pony. Top and bottom. Pit and farm. Pit and farm. Pit and farm. Well, the book's also coming out in audio format. So there's um, a reader, an actress called Janine Burkett. She played Billy Elliot's dead mom in the Billy Elliot film. She appeared as a ghost. But more than that, she's a she's a really strong local actress who um, I saw up at the customs house last week in When the Boat Comes In. Uh, she also does the audiobooks for the Vera novels and Cleve's Vera novels, which is great. So I feel really lucky. And the company who are doing the recording, they obviously had to read the book first. And she got back to me and she said that the village of Ryup comes across as one of the characters. And I was really chuffed about that more than... I just thought that was a wonderful thing to say. The sense of community that's there and um, just the different different facets of Ryup life as well. I just thought that was tremendous. It was really touching. Obvious talking to you, but you must be like really proud because it's, it's your it's your it's your home. Well, people say write about what you know. The original plan was just to write generic Sunderland, if you like, and so I did some research about Hendon and the docks and the slum areas down there, and and it was all about kind of the shipbuilding and stuff, which I didn't know anything about. And then I thought, well, just make just condense it a bit more and just like focus. And I thought, well, I'll write it about Ryup, and I thought, well, what do I know about Ryup? It was only then you think 
this place was actually a really big deal back in the day. It really was. You know, some people in the northeast might not know where Riot is. Some people down in London who read the book won't. But if I can put it back on the map for a little bit and just give it, just give the community a little bit of spotlight, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. How many hours has it taken to write just one book? Um, each book takes me about five or six months, and every week I would sit down for three or four days and write for a few hours. I can't do it like non-stop. I don't like get up at seven o'clock and write till five o'clock at the night time because I'll just, my eyes would you know, be going a bit cross-eyed and um, start losing my patience with what I'm doing. So I like to do it in small, precise chunks of real, real concentrated bursts of effort. And, and I just love what I'm doing. I really do. I'm curious to know how does it feel like when you actually get right to the end and you've done the last word and you've put the final... Full stop. Now, do you feel when you've done I'll that? I cry. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. I really do because I don't want to say goodbye to those characters. Um, the the first book, Bell of the Back Streets, the people who've read it before I sent it off to the um, editor had a few tears. So I'm hoping I've got it right. And I, because I knew I was doing this podcast today, I had to go back and reread the book because it was over a year since I wrote it. I had to remind myself what was going on in it. And I cried again at the end. So I'm really hoping I've got that right. But you spend six months with them in your head every day and you're talking to them, if you, do you know what I mean? You're giving them, you know, what they look like, you know, what colour socks they wear, you know, what they have for their breakfast and, you know, <laughs> using the outdoor netties and the, the taps in the back lane, you know, everything about them. And then it's like, that's it, they've gone. Right, what's next? Saying goodbye to characters at the end of a book. But um, I hope that when people read it, they that sense of connection with the characters comes across. I feel very connected with them, that's for sure. We asked Linda more about how she secured the publishing deal in the first place and what advice she should give to offer to other writers. I sent it off to a few agents and lots of them got back to me and said, no, it's not for us. One agent got back, signed me up, um, went down to London to meet her, which was just, I mean, I'm saying like this as if it happens all the day, all the time, and it's not, it was just the most amazing thing. And I still sort of have to pinch myself. And she said, um, well, we'll send it out to some publishers and see if anyone wants to buy it. There were three publishers fighting over my debut novel. I know, that's, <laughs> that's still amazing. But I, went, I decided to go with Headline and they gave me a three book deal. So three novels set in Riop in 1919. I'm sure you must think of this as well. This could go on TV. I'd love it. it oh, honestly, I would absolutely love it for it to be like a Sunday night drama or a two-part. Yeah, exactly. You look at TV now, I think TV's struggling for like original ideas. They're just reinventing everything and reinventing stories. And this is just, it's yeah. perfect for like ITV, Tiny Tees. Yes, I, w- I would love to. When I went down to meet the publishers, when I signed with them, I was invited down to London for a champagne lunch and all that. And, you know, they, they, I'm, I'm a girl from Riot. These things don't happen to me, but except it did. It really did. So we were sitting there and she, she actually said to me, what would you like to happen to your first novel? And she was probably expecting the answer to be something like, I'd like to be a bestseller, which of course I would. But I actually said, no, I want, I'd love to see it on TV. That I would, and I really would. And I think that that becomes apparent in my novels. There's lots of cliffhangers. There's lots of really strong characters. Some fantastic women in there. So yeah, I think I think it could work on TV. Well, if ever you need a strong character, <laughs> I've got no acting background, but I'll give it a go. Yeah, that'd be great. And you can yeah. do it. You've definitely got the accent. You, I haven't got I the accent. <laughs> and you can be you can be the woman of the night. Yes, you could. You could be the woman that works in the fish and chip shop. <laughs> Lord almighty. That wasn't a backhanded that comment. That just came out of the blue. I, I don't know where that one came from. So by this point in the tour, we walked from the top of Ryup, built around the mining community. The toppers? The toppers! Down to the posher side of Ryup. The bottomers? 
The farming community. But the final leg of the tour, Glenda took us down the beach where the land meets the sea. But to get there, you've got to walk under this tunnel. Every time we came down the beach uh, in the summer, in the school summer holidays with our parents, and there was like about, I don't know, about ten mums walking down there with this like, horde of kids and like picnic baskets and all this stuff. And we had to be quiet as anything went walking under the tunnel. I think it was just to quieten the kids down. But we were terrified that our knickers were going to fall down. I, do you know, so, I, love, I love the old phrases. Cause we were just talking about earlier when you used to say, if you kiss the girls, your teeth will fall out. It's things like that, isn't it? Yeah. And you just believe you think, are there? I didn't kiss women for two years for that. <laughs> liar. Yeah, yeah, I'm a liar. <laughs> yeah, but the, the beach is really nice. If the tide's in, we might not see much of it, but if the tide's out, it's really lovely. Um, now that the open sewer pipe is no longer there. <laughs> yeah. Places generally are better without sewage pipes. Right, everyone, belt up. <clears throat> yeah, tighten your belt. Ooh. What, why have we gone quiet? We're not allowed to talk, remember? Oh, I'm not wearing knickers, it doesn't matter. Are you going commando like you do? You try no, to... I'm just saying, for the sake of it. I couldn't do that. Stop mm. itching them down, Stevie. Jesus, there's women in here. <laughs> of course we couldn't get through without speaking. Stevie's pants wouldn't be round his ankles, man. Excuse me? Standard Friday I'm s- night. I'm held. Hey! hey, hey. <laughs> I'm holding. I'm held in such high regard on this podcast, aren't I? Yeah. So the tide's in, so we can't really see much. Just lots of stones and rocks. But when the tide's out, <laughs> loads of lovely sand to walk on. You can see from here. You can see all the way up to the, the t- like the, the docks in the town, um, and you can see Rocker Lighthouse, clear as anything. And then if you look down to the um, south, you come to see him as well. So you can you can actually walk down to see him beach when the tide's out. It was great playing down here as kids. We used to call it, well, it sounds a bit daft now, we used to call it Polar Bear Island over there. I have no idea why, and we never saw any polar bears. But yeah, me and my brothers used to play over there. Up here, Yeah, you can see Rock Pier, the Rock Lighthouse. I don't come down the beach enough, but when you're on your own and you just hear that in the background, you just drift off somewhere else, don't you? I think okay. it's the most relaxing sound ever. Um, because uh, the sea, <laughs> I'm going to sound a bit philosophical here or a bit stupid, but it's just like a constant. It's always going to be there. Um, you kind of build on this land. You can come down here and you know it's, it's you know, you're with the elements. And it's always going to be the same. Be, it's, it's always going to be here and it's always going to be the same. No, uh, in, in the distance there, we've got, um, I think it's the pier. Well, it's where North Haven is, which is where the, the port is. So it's just the tip end of the port. But right in the background, coming full circle, is um is the lighthouse where the north pier is where we were a couple of weeks ago so right at the top of that bad boy <laughs> it was it was very it was very moving the top of that the view was just breathtaking again it's the history that you don't realize is on your doorstep yeah and for me i've just realized actually for me standing here because i look after the social media for um Rock pier and lighthouse and i've been volunteering with them for about three years now as well i sort of geared up to doing the public tours so i'm standing here on riot beach looking at one of Sunland's icons, uh, the Roker Lighthouse, that I kind of help with. It's, uh, I'm having yeah. a bit of a moment, actually. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. We've had a few moments today, haven't we? We have, yes. It has <laughs> been very emotional. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I think that's what the story is, and without you know putting an advert on, but it's what Speak Up Sunland's all about. It's about what we've got and what's on our doorstep, and just opening the doors and saying to people, look, this is here and that's here, and, and do you realise just how, how deep it is? 
Yeah. How deep is your love? Sorry. <laughs> So how was that for a tour then? It was canny. It was very educational. It was quite an eye-opener for me. I can say you found it hard because when, you, when you're when doing podcasts or you're doing anything like that, you, you need to find a connection somewhere because you're not from here. You didn't really have a connection, but there was parts of that that you really kind of like got to grips with and got hold of. It was. It was very different for me. Normally, we're quite a team. Like It's normally like two of us, but I think that's why we are quite a good team. We can then work on people's like strengths like this was definitely your strength because it's hmm. brought up from here and there might be a different episode where i play my strengths but for me it was more for me to sit and listen and generally appreciate how successful glenda is hmm. and that lady being a local lady from sunderland has published many books for coronation street and she lives right here in sunderland is something to be very proud of and I'm very pleased that I did actually spend some time with her because mm. I, you can learn a lot from people like that. It may not be your area. Writing books about local landmarks might not be your thing, but writing and creative thoughts and thinking, she's definitely one of the women you want to be around. I love the fact that you could see you could see by a mile off that she's so proud about what she did, what she's done, and that what she's how, how she knew, what, what she knew about right what and wrong because she said there's a lot of stuff that she started to look into it and she didn't realise just how, how how massive it was and she looked more and more into it. And she told a good story on the way down. Uh, you know, I actually loved as well though, do you remember at the end when we were all sitting on the, on the beach on the, I forgot what you call it, that was leading out to the sea and we were all just sitting there watching. It was actually watching. a sewage pipe. It was a sewage pipe, yeah, the concrete block covered yeah. it. Yeah. And we are all just like, you know, chatting away. And then she got a book out. She got her first copy of a book and she was, well, I think I asked her, what um, what does it feel like to you know to have your own book? And she says, "Well, I've actually got a proof copy in my bag." And she got it out, and her face just lit up. But that's completely because you imagine like what emotions were going through her brain. Could you imagine if we had achieved something like that? And we've been sat and interviewed by somebody who's generally interested and generally cares, and then they literally go, "Well, you know what? I've just spoke to you about. This is what it's going to look like." The thing is, that happened while we're all sitting enjoying being down the beach as well. So all that mixed together. You've been listening to Speak Up Sunderland. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can. We are at Speak Up Sun on Twitter. You can search Speak Up Sunderland on Facebook. And we'd love to hear your ideas for stories as well. Anything you can think about, get in touch with us and let us do a podcast about you. Or if you'd like us to plug your business or organisation, we'd love you to feature on the podcast. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye now. Stevie, where's that chocolate card? I'm hungry. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Have you not scoffed at all? No. How angry were you today when you couldn't get that... Uh...